ministry. Later on, when, he, when, when the discernment began, he, go, he related it back. He says, well, this is the same way that God was there speaking to, to Abraham and Sarah. And so he, and he refers back to that a number of times. And then he basically began to step into that ministry. And then later on, he began to, he, he preached, and I think it was in 63, he, he preached the, the, the church ages. And it was after that, I think it was the angel spoke to him and says, now you read Malachi 4. And I think at that point in time, then he realized he was the messenger to this age. And he stepped into that office, if you will. And then when you come to the time of the seals, you realize, no, I am the messenger and I have been given a message and that message is to forerun the second coming of Jesus Christ. And he, and he says, I have to be obedient to that message. And he stresses that over and over and over again after the seals. Well, he had to step into his office as it progressed in time. Well, where are we? We are the bride. We've been sitting under the ministry of a prophet. We've been sitting under, and where God is actually trying to speak to the bride and tell her, this is who you are. This is what you are. Amen. And we have, to, we have to move from the lady you'll see in church age. We have to move and come up higher, as, as John was spoken to. Come up higher. Come into the place with the revelation of the word. Come into the revelation of the seven seals. Come into the revelation of who you are. Because now we have to step into the revelation of who we are. We no longer can just, church is not more than a Sunday morning social function. No, we have to become the message. The message has to be something we read or something we hear. No, we have to literally become what God says that we are. We have to become the message for this hour. And so here again, like I say, this, this is a step that we have to take. But it, change, it takes a change in our thinking. Because in, you, you go into denominational systems and they remind you, no, you're just a sinner saved by grace. No, this message tells me I am a son of God who have been fully restored to my position with my father. And if I have been fully restored to my position as my father, I have the rights of, 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 of a sonship in, in, in that. But then now it's coming to the place where we have to come to adoption. Yes. Where it's no longer just learning how to do and learning how to do and learning how to do. But now all of a sudden we've been taught and taught and taught. And now it's time for us to practice what, we've, what we have been taught. You, you take a person that goes to medical school. Yeah, they teach you all the theory and they teach you this and they teach you all that. But all of a sudden now you have to stand before a person and you have to diagnose. So you have to take all of that training and all of that knowledge and you have to apply it to the situation that you're at. Because now you are the responsible for that life. Well, we have heard the message over and over and over again. Now we are responsible to take this message and live it. Right. Brother Branham, in one place, he says the people in, in, uh, in, in uh, Wesley's time, he says they took his message and they lived it. They became living epistles read of all men. So whenever some people see us, now what should we be? We should be the living examples of this message. Whenever they look at us, they should be able to see the message and manifestation in, in, in our lives. It goes in Revelation 4.1, After this I looked, and behold, a, a door was opened in heaven, and, and a voice which I heard from the trumpet speaking with me, Come up hither, I'm going to show you some things. We know that the door is Jesus Christ. So we had the, the world is sitting in Laodicea. They're stuck there. 
No, but we are called to come higher. We have to yes. go through the door. We have to be in Christ. And one, what, 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 what did John know? He went up into the heavenlies, and there all of a sudden the word was being opened to them. The word was, be reve- was being revealed to them. When we look at the seals, all of a sudden Brother Brown says the book became a totally new book to him right. because no longer because he could go back and he could see the types. He says, well, this, this is the same way that God did here, the same way that God did there, and therefore he could take this and this and this and this, and he could pull them all together. See, because it's the same spirit, it's the same way that God had been working all the way through. So he could relate things that before he couldn't relate. Well, now it has to come down unto us. We have to be able to take the message. We have to take the Word of God. And we have to go through the Word of God. And Brother Brown says, we have to find ourselves in that Word. And when we find ourselves in that Word, and we can see that God always operated this way and this way and this way, well, God never changes. Well, if God never changes and we approach God in the same way, then God will have to operate through us the same way that He did back in there. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So when two or three agree, it's touching any one thing. If we ask God and God's presence is there, then we know that God has already heard us, and then we expect the results. I mean, when we pray, what do we expect? Why pray if you don't expect it? I mean, like one person said, why worry? If, if you're going to worry, don't pray. But if you pray, don't worry. I mean, this is where it comes down. But see, this has to be a reality to us. It has to be more than just words. It, it, it changes our whole concept, our whole way of thinking. Like I said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ. He knew who he was. He knew he was God expressed in human flesh. Well, what are we? We are now God expressed in human flesh. All that God was, he poured into Christ. Everything that Christ was, he poured into the church. And therefore, the church, the, the bride has become the full manifestation of God upon the face of this earth. This is who we are. This is who we are. We have to accept this. We have to look beyond our flesh. We have to look beyond our shortcomings. We have to look beyond our carnality. We have to look at all, all of the mistakes we make. Like somebody says, you know, we, when, when, what's the biggest mistake you made? Well, this morning was getting out of bed. Okay, but we have to come to the place where, where literally the Word becomes such a reality to us until we actually step into Him. And then we allow Him to lead and to guide and direct us through the life that we live. I know there are times I get up in the morning, since I'm retired, my time is my own. Um, but I also find out also I get up in the morning and I have my day planned out and all of a sudden we get a phone call. And all of a sudden that takes care of that day. You know, God had something else in mind. Or we go someplace else and all of a sudden something else comes up and says, well, Lord, obviously you have something else planned for me today. Just, just lead me on. But it's learning to follow the leading. I know when we're in India, you know, it's when I'm in the States, I figure I have control of what I'm doing. I'm, I'm under that delusion. But when I go into India, I realize I am totally, un- I have no control over anything. All of a sudden, something will come up, and well, you have to deal with it. All of a sudden, we're going to go here instead of here. Well, okay, Lord, what are you wanting us to do? And then situations arise, people need to want to be prayed for, and all of a sudden, the, 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 the whole, everything just changes. So I figure, well, Lord, obviously, you have a different plan than what I have, so Lord, I have to follow your leading. Well, now we have to do that even, even you know, at, at, just, just here in the States. Amen. We have to be, we have to be willing to be led by God. Amen. <laughs> I think I might have quoted this in the morning. He says, in the bride coming of Christ, coming out of the church, there'll have to be a sheave waved again in the last days. Well, that's what, when, when you look at Brother Branham's ministry, that was the sheave. 
that was Jesus Christ coming and so expressing himself through the ministry of Brother Branham, it, what was the whole thing? It's to, it's to show that the full, the, the full maturity of the word in its full power has been restored to the bride. Yes. That means all of the power of God has been given to us. Amen. There's no, there, 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 it, it's not, you know, we're, we're not going to give you a little here and a little there. No, you have access to everything. But it takes the faith of it, had to, it takes faith in God to operate that gift. It takes the faith of God to actually believe that whatever He said that is true. But too often we 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 will not grasp hold of the fact we we lack the faith because we look at ourselves. It's not about us. It's never been about us. It's always been about him. Brother Branham realized it's not what I do. It's what I allow God to do through me. He says, I have to take myself and I have to submit myself totally unto the will of God so that God can actually speak through me and God can lead me and God can guide me and God can have me do the different things that he does. He says, the things that you see on the platform, he says, this is nothing compared to what I have in real life. All of a sudden, God will tell me, I want you to go to such and such a city. I want you to be at a certain street corner or such and such a time. Somebody's going to come. This is the way they're going to be dressed. They're going to have this problem and this problem and this problem. I want you to pray for them and then I want you to leave. And so they, he would go there. He would be on the street corner. Something, the person would come along. He would pray for them. And as soon as he was done praying, he would, he would, he would, he would exit. He never stuck around for a thank you. He never stuck around for him to be glorified. Oh, my and brother Brandon prayed for me. All of a sudden they look around. Well, where's this guy? He did not want them to recognize him. They wanted to recognize Jesus Christ. They wanted to give the glory to Jesus Christ for the healing. They wanted to acknowledge that Jesus Christ was the one that provided for their needs. And this is the way it comes with us. When, when any time that we take ourselves and try and build ourselves up, we're doing wrong. It's not about us. Everything points back to Jesus Christ. Brother Branham says, I wish the Brother Branham Tabernacle was not named Brother Branham Tabernacle. I wish there was no, you know, there was nothing to remind the people of who I am. He says, I want people to see Jesus Christ. Well, that's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be having Jesus Christ live his life out through us, that it's no longer us living, but now it's God living his life through us. And that way God gets all the glory. So the full maturity of the word has been turned back to us in its full power. If you believe that, then use it. But it's not for you to use for yourself. It's for you to use so God can be glorified. Like I mentioned, I think earlier, I said, Brother Bradham, he, he says, oh, yeah, bring the hard cases, bring the deaf and the blind and the blind and all this other kind of stuff. And he says, and, and the angel says, don't you do that. He says, I, God placed that gift in you for God to use. Well, why is the power of God residing in you? So God could use the power. So God could be glorified. So God could exalt himself. It's also, you know, when I was looking at different things, when, when, you, when you begin to, to look at, at how Jesus Christ in his ministry... There, there was one man, he was born blind. That man had to be blind for so much, be a number of years. So Jesus Christ could come along and give him his sight. Why then? So he could testify to the Sanhedrin, Jesus Christ is God. Nobody else can do this but him. So he had to live his life in blindness up until that point and we'll say God can come along and, and, and could pray for them and give the man his sight so that he could testify before the Sanhedrin. We don't understand the things going on in our life. Why did Esther have to be all being taken away from her uncle and, and go into, you know, be part of the harem of, 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 of the king? Yeah. 
so that she could become the queen. Yes. So then all of a sudden persecution came to the Jewish people. All of a sudden she was in a position to save her own people. You look at Joseph and his life. What had happened? God had given him dreams. Oh, yeah, my brothers are going to bow down to me. Even my parents are going to bow down unto me. How is this going to be taking place? He had to be sold into slavery. He had to be put into prison. And he had to sit in that prison until all of a sudden Pharaoh had a dream. And then all of us, oh, yeah, I remember. Yeah, there was me and you, you didn't like the cook. So you could kill the cook and you let me live. But, yeah, this guy interpreted this dream. He had to be in a particular prison. He couldn't just be in any prison. He had to be in a particular one. And then all of a sudden Pharaoh called him up and says, oh, you interpret the dream. He did. And that's when all of a sudden his, his brothers and stuff came and they had to bow down before. But he had to go through all of that in his life to bring him to that point in his life where the vision that God had given or the dream that God had given him could come to its fulfillment. Well, can you look back in your life? Why are you where you are? How, how did God direct your life to bring you to the places where you're at? Because God wants to fulfill something. It's not just so that we can sit there and enjoy life or do whatever we're doing. No, he has a purpose for us being alive. He has a purpose for us being here. He has elected us for this generation. They tell me in running a race, he says they always, in a relay race, they save the best for last. Because he has to make up for, he or she has to make up for the, for the, for the, 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 the lack of speed in the other, other ones. We're the best. We have to finish the race. If we don't finish the race, nobody else can come. They, they, all those that have gone on before us, they, they won't receive their eternal reward. They won't. Okay, so we have to finish this race. What is us finishing the race? We have to become the maturity. We have to be the bride. We have to be the bride manifested. We have to sit there. We have to be the final voice to the final age. We have to be the final manifestation of God in this generation because so that God can be glorified. We are in Satan's Eden. We stand out as a sore thumb because what's going on even in our nation, he says, they don't like Christianity. They're doing everything they can against Christianity. And when we're here, all of a sudden, if we challenge them, all of a sudden we're, you know, we're caught, taken before the magistrates and all the other kind of stuff because they don't like Christianity. They're against everything that Christ stood for. And so, so we are here and we are witnessing by the lives that we live and the things which we do. Are, we are witnesses to the people that we go around, the people we do our business with. They have to notice something's different about you. I, I know... I know my wife, she worked as a doula. She, it's, a, it's a labor support person. And uh, she worked for a number of years in a hospital there. And uh, all of a sudden, a lady would come in, and she was having difficulty. Um, and so all of a sudden, Shirley would look at the situation quietly. She would just pray. And all of a sudden, whatever the situation was, it just changed. And the nurses and says, you prayed, didn't you? Well, yeah, that's why I'm here. Well, I mean, but, you know, I mean, there were miracles performed because she was there so that the women, if the, breech was, if the baby was breached birth or something else or some other problems or things which were going on, simply because she was there, she could intercede for the patient which was there. And by interceding, all of a sudden, everything changed. Well, we, when we come up and, and somebody comes to us and wants prayer, do you believe in your prayer? 
If you believe in it, then God will act upon it. But if, you do, if you're just praying a prayer just to pray a prayer, you might as well save your breath. But if you could actually enter into the spirit of Christ and you can actually begin to enter into their suffering, if you could enter into their feelings that they have, all of a sudden, oh, this is going to be different. Because then it's no longer you. Now it's God working through you. It's God ministering through you. And then they'll all of a sudden, then they'll give glory to God. I know she's not going to like me for this. There was a lady, my wife does alterations for periodically. This one lady came in and she brought something to be altered and, and she said, oh man, I'm suffering a terrible headache. So Shirley says, okay. So Shirley put her hands, prayed for her and then started doing the alteration stuff and a few minutes later they says, my headache's all gone. Sure. It had to go. I mean, I don't know how else to explain it. If I pray, I expect it. If she prays, she expects it. Well, if we are expecting it and we believe it's, it's God anointing us to do what we're doing, then why not expect it? And if we expect it, then we expect God to make the, the outcome of, of whatever it is we, we prayed for. Paul, in, 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 this, in, the, in what we read in, in, the, in, in, the, in Hebrews here, Paul is referring to the children of Israel as they were delivered from Egypt. And it's interesting, when you begin to look at them, all of a sudden, here was God, God sent Moses. Now, Moses, God had ordained to be the deliverer for the children of Israel. Um, he tried it and his own efforts, and he failed. He had to run out of town. He had to protect him, you know, save his own life. He sent him, and the way Brother Branham explains it, Brother um, God gave him a hot-tempered wife to kind of bring him down a few notches to the place where he could no longer speak. He could no longer have a confidence in himself. He would stutter, and um, he went out to the, to the goats just to get away from household things. And, uh, but it, God had to bring him to the place. I mean, Moses was raised in all the, the, the knowledge of the Egyptian. He was being trained to be the next pharaoh. He had to be able to lead an army. He had to be able to stand. And, and if you're going to lead an army, you have to stand there and have confidence of where you're taking them in. Otherwise, they're not going to follow. I mean, I was in the military. I, I learned that a long time ago. If you got somebody, well, I, maybe we shouldn't. Maybe we shouldn't. I'm not sure we should. No, no, I ain't going to follow him. But all of us says, Sard, we gotta, we're going to take this hill. We have the power. We have this. We have that. And he says, come on, men, let's go. Okay, by, that, by the enthusiasm, yeah, we'll, we'll charge up the mountain. Because there's somebody, we have a leader in front of us that all of a sudden we have confidence in. Amen. Well, we have to have confidence in our God. People had to have confidence in Moses if he was going to lead the children of Israel out. But God had to reduce him to the place where Moses could no longer even have confidence in himself. But then at the burning bush, all of a sudden, that all changed. Because all of a sudden, he met something which would take the gift which God had placed in him from the beginning, and he would take that gift, and he would activate it, for lack of a better word. So when he went back into Egypt, what did he do? He, all of a sudden, he says, God has sent me here to lead you out of, out, of this, out, of, uh, out of Egypt. And then God performed miracles through him so people could have faith. Why did God send the prophet? Maybe what, what, when we were in denominational system, what the denominational system? They had a theory of God. They had a theory, oh yeah, God used to do this and God used to do that. And we know God, you know, there, there was healing. Yeah, we can read in the Bible that God did healing here and God did miracles here. But all of a sudden when God came in Brother Branham and all of a sudden we saw the miracles and the manifestation, like one minister said, all of a sudden God was updated. 
He became a reality. God became more than something, just a theory. God was more than just the spirit that floats around here, there, and everywhere else. No, all of a sudden, God became a reality to him. Well, when I was introduced to this message, I mean, I was raised in a Baptist church. Yeah, they hear stories. But all of a sudden, in Brother Brown's life, all of a sudden, there's miracles. I mean, this is Book of Acts again. I mean, this is goes back to Jesus Christ. This goes back, back into the Bible. This goes back into the reality that God is actually real. Well, if God is that real and God was that real to him, now we have to take that same God and have him real in us. Because if you leave it all on the prophet, it does you no good. But all of a sudden, when you can take what the God that was in him and place that same God in you and begin to realize God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, then all of a sudden that God becomes a reality to you. And the more you walk with him, the more of a reality he becomes. I mean, we've seen situations in our... In, there, there was one situation that we were at in India, just to give you an idea. Um, I'm always punctual. That, that's a bad habit, but, but that's just the way I am. And we were sitting there, and, and the brothers were, yeah, they, they like to eat. So they ate, and they kept eating. And we, we, were le- we left about a two hours later than we should have to go to the next meeting, which made me all, all upset. And then we get into the, to this village we were at, and, and here again, I mean, we were late, and I was mad. I'm being honest with y'all. And all of a sudden, this guy jumps out in front of the car, stop, stop, emergency, emergency. I figured, great. We're already late. What are we going to do now? Here's this guy. What's going on? So they led us down this alleyway, last house on the left. We entered into this into the little hut, and all of a sudden, there was this girl, probably mid-20s. And I looked at her, and I figured, what's the deal going on? Well, some minister had told her, you have an evil, wicked spirit because your husband and your children had died, and you have to fast for 40 days in order for this evil spirit to leave. They don't have the mass. They don't have what it would take to fast for 40 days. This girl, in obedience to what this man had said, she tried that. She got to the place where his, all of her systems were beginning to shut down, her, her liver and her kidneys and all the other kind of stuff. They finally took her to the hospital, and they looked at her and said, she's beyond hope. There's nothing we can do for her. And I looked at the situation, and I says, and all of a sudden, I... I when I prayed, I said, Lord, don't look at the stupidity of the, of, the, of the act, but look at the sincerity of her heart and give her her life back. From that point on, her system's rejuvenated, and for, she, I think she lived for about two or three years after that. Nice, strong, healthy young woman. It's not about me. But, I mean, my mental condition was anything but prayer. But yet God intervened because he had a need and he wanted to use me in that position to sit there and speak life back into that young lady. So God, you don't know the situation that you're going to be in. You don't know what all of a sudden you might end up in a situation where all of a sudden there's an emergency and God wants to use you to pray the life back into that person or be able to pray for somebody and give them the healing or pray for somebody for the needs which they have. It, it, it's, it's not about the person. It's about the God in you. If we can get it away from us and begin to realize, no, this is God. This is the God that's eternal. This is the God that created the universe. This is the God who walked us, we look in, in the life of Jesus Christ. This is the same God that dwelt in him, dwells in you. The same God who was in the prophet dwells in you. There's no difference. 
That was merely the body that God wanted to use at that period of time. But now what is it? God has taken the prophet home. What is he wanting to do now? He's in our body. He's in you. He dwells in you. There's no difference here. You have to release the God that is in you. You have to all of a sudden yield to the Spirit of God as He guides and as He directs your life because you'll run, run across situations all of a sudden. God needs you. There's nobody else around. God needs you. So just open up and follow the leadership of God in your life. God is no respecter of persons. It says in Isaiah, Whom shall he teach knowledge, and to whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast, for precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people. To whom he said, This is the rest which we may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing, but they would not hear. It's talking here what we talk, what we talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. When all of a sudden, I mean, we speak in tongues, you know, I mean, used to, some students, don't, some don't. Um, but th- th- that's basically what this is referring to. But this is the rest. Amen. It's no longer should be a struggle. That's right. If we can rest in God and God leading, then there's no struggle, then there's no fight, then, there, then, there, then, there, then there's, no, there's no problem. If, if you've been taken... If you've been taken and been trained in a certain way, then, then you know, people that are, that are mechanics. I mean, if you've done it enough, all of a sudden somebody brings a car in and has this problem and this one. Oh, yeah, I've seen that a hundred times. Yeah, okay, bring it over here. We'll take care of it. There's rest. You're not struggling. Wonder what it is. Wonder what the problem is. No, no, you know. Because by your, te- by your training and by your teaching and by the knowledge that you have, you know how to fix this problem because you've seen it before. Well, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He already knows the problem. He already has the answer. So if you can rest in him and let him do the work through you, then it's no longer you trying. It's no longer you struggling. Lord, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? How should I do this? What should I do? No, no, just rest in him. And then all of a sudden, he will give you the inspiration. He will give you the words to say. Because it's no longer about you, and it becomes about him. And God wants to take care of the need before. And all of a sudden, it becomes him operating and working through you. We talked about it, in, in, uh, I guess, earlier this morning. Faith is unconscious. We all have faith. We just don't realize it. We don't exercise it. Because if we would take faith, if we would we begin to realize God is the one in control. Yes. I mean, I, I, I mean, I look at all of a sudden, you know, we, we were in India and we came back and we had plans to go someplace else and all of a sudden COVID hit. Well, that shut the world down. There was no flights going anywhere. Okay, well, was this a surprise to God? He knew about it. He knew what our government would do. He knew what the airlines would do. He knew that I couldn't get to India if I had wanted to. For the next, uh, what, almost two years, there was no way to get into India. In fact, one guy, he lived in India, and he happened to be in, in Africa doing something. It took him almost a year to be able to get back home. And then he finally got a flight, and he just got into Bombay, and then, but there was no other flights within the country. So then he had to rent a car, and he had to drive all the way from the, from the West Coast to the East Coast, and, and, and he had to get some other people to help supply the money for the gas and stuff. But he was almost a year before he got home. 
because there was no way to get home. The people in India, all of a sudden, they found themselves, if you were in a work crew and somebody had hired, and he normally he goes into a village and hires all the able-bodied men, and he would take them hundreds of miles away. All of a sudden, there was no transportation. They had to walk 100 miles or better just to get home. But God knows this. It wasn't a surprise to him. Because what's he doing? He's taking the whole world and he's changing the whole economy of the world. What? So the, every, all the economies have to fall. The, our economy in America has to fall because this will bring in, the, the, this, it has to fall so that Jesus Christ can come and set up his kingdom for the millennium. So that's why everything is the way that it is. That's why our economy is going to where it's going. God has a plan. God has a purpose. But if we know that it's God, then why do we worry? Because we rest in Him. He promised to supply our needs. He promised to take care of us. He promised to heal us. He promised to see to it. I think what uh, David, he said, I've never seen the, 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 the children of God begging bread. Well, okay, so I'm, I, that's what I expect, Lord. If all of a sudden there's nothing, all of a sudden, okay, so I don't know how you supply it, but you said you would. So now we just wait for it to come. There, um, there's a book I read, The Reese Howell, The Intercessor. This was written during the Second World War. And the guy had an orphanage, and, and this is one part in the thing in the thing. Um, all of a sudden, he had a bunch of kids to feed, and there was no food. And God spoke to him. He says, well, if you had the food, what would you do? Well, we'd thank him for it. Well, so they started praying and thanking God, and there was nothing on the table. Well, Lord, we thank you for the food you supplied us. We thank you for the blessing that you, you know. And uh, as soon as he said amen, there was a knock at the door. There was a bread truck that broke down just in front of the orphanage. And he had no way to deliver the bread. So all of that bread got to the orphanage. God already knew. But he was trying the man. He says, where's your faith? Where's your faith? Another one that God had told him, he says, I want you to go to a certain, certain city. The guy says, I don't have any money for the, for the, for the, for the, for the train fare. And God says, well, if you had it, what would you do? Well, I'd get in line. Well, okay, he gets in line. All of a sudden, it's, he was the next one to step up to the window. And somebody says, here, somebody told me, God told me to give you this. God is never late, but he's always very seldom early because he wants, do you trust me? Have you reached the place in your relationship with me that you trust me? Because this is where it's going to come down to us in our lives. Do we trust God? Do we actually acknowledge him? Has it come to the place in our relationship with God regardless of what happens? Are you, is, do we believe that God's going to supply? Do we believe that God will take care of us? Do we believe that God will do this? But we have to come down to the place where we actually believe this. Like, like we, I think I might have read this this morning. He said that the disciples had the word because Jesus Christ was there. And Jesus Christ says, I'm giving you the authority to go and to heal the sick and raise the dead. Go around to the villages, send them out two by two. And so they would go out and, and, and I, I kept wondering, you know, if they, when they came to a village and they saw a cripple sitting at the gate, um, what, what, was, what was their reaction? They had seen Jesus do all the miracles. They knew he could. But them to do it? 
But then they went ahead and they prayed for the man at the gate. The man, maybe he was a cripple. And all of a sudden, God healed them. And that would have given them faith. And then they would have gone on further and they would go into the villages. And then afterward, they got together and all had, a, had they began to give testimony service of what God had done for them as they'd walked into the different villages and seen all these things. And, and my, in my mind's thinking, Jesus Christ would have sat back and he would have rejoiced. Finally, you understand. Finally, you understand. And, and, and finally, he said, he says, don't, 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 don't get about the miracles and stuff. He says, he, he says, that should be normal to you because of who you are. You're sons of God. This is your rightful position. This is what you should be doing. He said, rejoice because your name's written in heaven. Rejoice because you are a part of God. Rejoice because you are a part of God from the beginning. This is who you are. This is what you should be doing. This is, and, and, and so all of a sudden, because of that, then, then, then they could go and they could begin to do the different thing. But then this one man brought a, a, one of the, his kids to the, to the disciples after a while, and, and, and the disciples didn't... They, they couldn't cast the demon out of the man, out of the son. And Jesus says, you know, bring him to me. And Jesus began to pray with me. And the disciples asked, well, why couldn't we do this? He says, because you didn't have the faith. Right. Oh, ye of little faith. If you had the faith to believe it, this would have been taken care of. Why do I have to do this? God should have been able to do it through you. But you have to have the faith. You have to understand who you are. They had to begin to realize that we are, they were sons and daughters of God. They had to realize that God now dwelt in them, that Jesus Christ had given them the authority to do and to take care of, of the situations which, which fell before them. And God is, that authority has never been removed. The authority that Jesus Christ gave the disciples, that authority is still, still available to all of us. But you have to believe it. Like it, it, it talk, we were reading there in, in, in the scripture, he, he, says, he says, God had, had taken it through Moses. He had performed all these miracles and all these wonderful things like that. God was trying to demonstrate to them, this is who I am. I control the weather. I, control, I, can, I can create. I can destroy. I can do all these, these things. But you have to have faith in me. You have to believe that I am God. You have to believe that I can do all things, that I am all, I am all supreme, I am all powerful. You have to believe this. Yes. He, God was, that was what God was trying to demonstrate. But it goes on to them for, for, the, um, for the, for unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with the, in faith. That it hurt it. And when you go into one of the Psalms, the, the, the way that the psalmist puts it, he says, oh, yeah, God provided this. Let's see if he can do this now. God provided us quail. Oh, maybe he can supply us beef. God did this, and did, well, let's see if he can do this. But they were always challenging God. It wasn't that they had faith in that God. They were just trying to putting out to God, well, let's see if you can do this. This is what we want now. Let's see if you can do this. And that wasn't how God operated. But it comes down, we, we've, we've seen through the prophet's ministry, we have seen God perform. There is no questions in our mind. That's why people always want to go see the prophet. Oh, if the prophet prays for me, I know I can be healed. Well, what about, your, what about your, your pastor? What about the one sitting next to you? You don't believe in their prayers? I know when we were in India, that there was a sister that came up. I was praying for one person, and the guy I was with, he was praying for this other sister. And uh, so then when I was praying for her left, and so this lady came over to me. I looked at her and I says, do you believe his prayer? 
And she just stared at me. I said, if you didn't believe his prayer, you won't believe in mine. So just go. I mean, Brother Bradham says, if you prayed for something, he says, don't go back the second time because it showed you didn't have faith the first time. And the more that you go up for the same thing, he says, all of a sudden your faith becomes less and less and less. No, you have to take God at his word. You have to believe. He prayed for me and God, he, they laid hands on me. If they laid hands on me, I am healed because God said I'm healed. And you just accept it and you begin to thank him for it. I, I know there was a time during the COVID, Shirley was, was real sick and I had prayed for her and stuff, but I, I, I wanted something a little more, I guess you'd call it. During COVID, we were only allowed 10 people in church. I found out there was only seven, so we could go. Um, I went to the pastor, and I said, Shirley is sick. The Bible says, call for the elders of the church. Let them lay hands on them. Let them anoint with oil. Prayer of faith shall save the sick. I said, I want that for my wife. Okay. They, they anointed her with oil. They prayed for her. Yeah, it was a done deal. I did what the scriptures had taught. I needed that extra little thing that I could relate back to the scriptures with so I could challenge Satan. No, we, we follow what God said in his words because we follow what God said in his word. Now God is obligated to fulfill his word in her life. And from that point on, we began to thank him. Thank you, Lord, for this. And thank you, Lord, for doing this and the other. When, when I was in, uh, we, in, in youth camp, we, we, we've helped out there for a number of years. And it was interesting. We were there and... Uh, we had one service, and you know, at the end of the service, the, 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 the evangelist or the minister, he gives an altar call, and all these people come running forward. And so we, as the ministers, we went ahead and laid hands on the different ones and tried to figure out their needs and pray for them accordingly. The next night, all of a sudden, another minister, he gave an altar call, and I noticed the same amount of people came forward. Okay, so we went and prayed and prayed and prayed. Third night was the same. I says, Lord, I don't understand this. Why can't they accept what we have already prayed for them for? And some thoughts came in my mind for the lack of better way of expressing it. Where all of a sudden it's kind of like a story. It says there was this, there was this girl. And she was out in the streets begging. I mean, her, her clothes was filthy, her hair was a mess, and, just, and she was begging, just give me a little piece of bread, just, just a little morsel of bread, I'm so hungry, just serve with me just a little bit of something. And finally, I mean, she did this for a while, and finally she says, you know, there, there's a guy in the mansion on the hilltop, and uh, maybe he'll be nice, maybe he will give me something. And so she goes up in the door, and she knocks on the door, and the good man of the house opens it up, and she was begging. Please give me just a little piece of bread, just, just a little morsel of bread. I'm so hungry. I haven't eaten for days, just a little something. And all of a sudden, the man looks at now and says, Sure, sweetheart, what are you doing out here begging? You, you, you're my wife. This is, this is your house. Oh, honey, look at your clothes. They're so filthy. Go in and take a bath, you know, washing of the water by the word. Oh, and your, your dress, we, there's plenty hanging in there. Just, just clothe yourself in the garments of righteousness. And there, we have tables spread. We've been waiting for you to come back. Everything that you want to eat has always been there. It's all been waiting for you to come. You don't have to beg. This is yours. This is your house. This is where you live. Amen. We don't have to beg. Amen. 
I don't go to God as a beggar. I go to him as his wife because I'm his bride, right? I go to him as his bride. Washing of the water by the word, I'm clothed in his righteousness. Every time I read the word, it's just cleansing me and cleansing me. It's keeping me pure. And what do I do? I sit down at his table. It's always spread out before me. And I just feast upon the word. I feast upon, I listen to the message. I listen to it. I read it. I study it. And I go through the Bible and I read it and I study it. It's just constantly taking the word into my life, into my, until literally I and the word hopefully eventually will be just become one. But I don't have to beg. And that's what these kids were doing. They were always begging for a morsel of bread when it was rightfully theirs by who they were. There's one minister here, there's one sister was there. In a, I mean, there were men too. Okay, I'm not picking on the sisters, but this, this was the example. And, and this girl was crying out and crying out and crying out. And finally the minister just went over there and says, why don't you start thanking him? Don't beg. Why don't you start thanking him for what you're wanting? And so she changed her tune. She began to praise God and thank him for whatever it was she had need of. And a few minutes later, all of a sudden, she was running the aisles. She was standing rejoicing because she was no longer begging. She had accepted now what God has rightfully given her by virtue of who she is. You don't have to beg God. He, wants to, he actually wants to give it to you. He wants to give you a bountifully pressed down and overflowing or something. He, he wants to give it to you because of who you are. You are his child. You are his wife. So why beg? Amen. I mean, my, my wife and I, yeah, we, you know, she has the credit card. She knows what the bank balance is. You know, I says, you know, just don't overdraw. You're fine. But, I mean, it, 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 it's, if we have it, why not? Okay. Why should I deny her what she has need of when I have the means to provide for that? Well, God is no different. He is, he is our husband, he, and, and, and the, there's no limits to him. You have need of healing, he's already healed you. It's already paid for. Why not just accept it? Why not just praise him for it? Healing is a process. It's not a miracle. Healing is a process. So sometimes we get sick. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I get sick. So my body tells me, lay down, drink fluids, go to bed, get some rest. Okay, so I obey what my body is dictating to me. I lay down, I eat, drink plenty of fluids, get lots of rest, and all of a sudden my body has the ability to heal itself from within. That's how God created us. If I don't listen to what it says, I pay for it the next day. But here again, God has already created, God has already made it. Satan has put the sickness on, fine, but God is already my healer, so I thank him for my healing. But I also have to, sometimes I have to give my body the rest. I have to, have to allow it to, to, to heal itself. In the revelation of Jesus Christ, Brother Brown says, it, it talks about Christ in, Christ in the true church. He says, Satan cannot stand it. He knows that the people get a true revelation of the true church and what she is and what she stands for. She can, she can do the greater works and she will become an invincible army. Invincible means undefeatable. So why are we defeated? Because we're not willing to accept who we are. What is it that dwells inside of us? God. He's not some little wimp. He's not some little nothing that has, it's afraid of, oh no, Satan's here again. Oh no, I better behave. Oh no, I better back up and let, oh, hogwash. No. We have control over him. 
We have the ability to fight him. Jesus could call 10,000 angels. Well, we have access to everything that's heaven. Brother Branham says God, Brother Branham says that God will bankrupt heaven before he'll let any of his promises fall. So why don't we access it? I mean, why don't we claim who we are? Why don't, why don't we exercise the authority that has been given to us by virtue of who we are? We are his sons and we are his daughter. And even more than that, we are his wife. I know when somebody attacks my wife, they have to go through me. I will defend her. Well, what do you think God will do? Satan's attacking. Um, he better not attack his wife. He's got God on his hands. But we have to believe this. It doesn't do any good to recite it. It has to be a reality to us. To us. We actually have to have the faith to believe that the God that is in us is, has the ability and, and is willing to go and to fight for us and to protect us and to, and to guard and to provide for us. We have to actually believe this. And once you begin to believe this, once you begin to accept it, then the party's over. Then all of a sudden Satan comes and puts his ugly head up and you just say, come on, come on, boy. I want to give you a good one this time. I mean, but this is our rights. I mean, I make it in a humorous thing, but you you get the point. Why let him defeat us? We have the authority. He's given us that authority. He said, said, according to the message of full maturity, the word has been restored to to us in its full power. That means everything that God is has been restored to us. God is not defeatable. He created everything. Everything is subject to him. Well, if that's the case, then all of that power has been given unto us, then why don't we use it? Why don't we exercise it? The, the only balancing thing is to that Paul was in one place and, and there was this lady falling around and, and, and was prophesying, you know, these guys have come to do this and this and this. And, 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 but Paul had to wait until he had the word from God that says, now you cast it out. He couldn't do it right at the beginning. He had to wait until God gave him the command to go ahead and, and to cast that demon out because it wouldn't have happened before then. Brother Branham, you, you look into the things that he said. When he has a vision, all of a sudden, no, everything has to be in place. No, this lady has to come in. She has to be dressed in certain things. She has to take this hat and move it from here over to here. And she has to take this and push this over here. And all of a sudden, when all of the things were all set in place, he says, ah, now is the time. And so then all, then all of a sudden, then he spoke the word. But it all had to come in the Todd's timing. It all had to be the way that God had, that God had, had showed the prophet. I mean, it, I think you're like thinking of David. David was fighting the Philistines. He went out and fought them one day, and and then the, the, the Philistines gathered together again. And David says, "Should we go out and fight him?" He says, "No, not a, not a direct assault." He says, "Go around behind them when you see the the wind in the mulberry trees." He says, "Then you attack," because God had planned. God knew what He was doing, but we have to listen to Him. We have to follow His unction. We have to follow His leadership. He said, what was Jesus manifested for? To show God. He was God. 
He had to be. No man could die or a prophet, and no prophet could die. He, he was God. He was the God of the prophets. He was the prophets. He was the, he was the kings. He was the history. He, he was all of that. And throughout that purpose, he achieved a church that he, the fullness of God, might bring to pass every promised word of God in these last days when he gets the preeminence. That means he has to be the leader. He has to be the one guiding. He has to be the one that inspires you to be able to say the things that he wants said. If you just say it because you want to say it, I mean, I could say, oh, let there be snow tomorrow. Let there be snow tomorrow. If that isn't the will of God, it won't snow. I don't expect snow tomorrow, okay? But but you would see what I'm trying to say. But if all of a sudden God anoints me and all of a sudden I call for snow, yeah, get out your shovels. But I mean, but you have to understand, it's, it has to be God-directed. Brother Branham just couldn't speak the squirrels into existence. All of a sudden, God had to lead him. He couldn't give that fish life until God had spoke to them. He said, give that fish back its life. And all of a sudden, the fish you know, came back to life again. God had to wait for God to lead him and for God to give him the words to say. And once, that, once God had directed him, then it was God. It wasn't Brother Branham speaking. Well, it has to come now in our lives where it's the same thing, where it's no longer us doing, but it's God now doing it through us. Brother Branham, in the United Ones of the End Time, he goes on and he goes into great length. He says, I have no, he says, I have no more to do it with than nothing. No, no, more, I'm no, no more than just a voice. I wasn't the one that appeared down the river. I was only standing there when he appeared. I'm not the one that, uh, on the platform these things and foretells these things that happens as, uh, as perfect as they are. I'm only the one that's near when he does it. I was only a voice that he, raised, that he used to say it. It wasn't what I knew. It's what, it's what I just surrendered myself to that he spoke through. It isn't me. It wasn't the seventh angel. Oh, no. It was the manifestation of the Son of God. It, was the, it wasn't the angel, his messenger. It was, it was the mystery that God unfolded. It's not a man. That's God. The angel was not the Son of Man. He was the messenger from the Son of Man. The Son of Man is Christ. He is the one that you're feeding on. You're not feeding on a, on the, on a man. Uh, a man with his words, his words will fail. But you're feeding on the unfailing body word of the Son of Man. That's the message. It's not just a man speaking. It's not just a Kentucky hillbilly. He yielded himself to God, and so God could take and speak through him. And what was he trying to do to the bride? He was trying to encourage the bride. Accept what you are. Begin to understand this is the, mag- this is the beauty of, of the God. This is the beauty of the message. This is the beauty of salvation. God is trying to raise us up out of Laodicea and, and to get us into, into, into Revelations 4.1. Come up higher. I got some things I want to show you. And then, and then with that, the word has been opened up unto us. And every time you begin to read the word, all of a sudden, you're, oh, that's what I am. Well, that's how God does this. And we begin to relate that to us and our lives and the things which we are doing. And we begin to realize it's not about us. It's about God. And God is wanting vessels that he can work through. In the Smyrna church age, he says, these elect, were, were, these elect were not only the eternal thoughts of God, which were to be expressed in flesh in their due season, but these elect are called by another name. 
Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. And he saith, Not to seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed which is Christ. And if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So we have to be in Christ in order to be Abraham's seed. And all the promises being able to relate to us. How do you get into Christ? By one spirit we all baptized into the body and, and into his body. Without the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you're on the outside. You are not reborn until you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But once you've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that's when God himself comes and dwells in you, and that is the seal of your salvation. Because once you are sealed into salvation, he says, that's it. There's no questions any anymore. Things might happen in your life, but he says, once God has come into you and sealed you by the baptism of the Holy Spirit, from that point on, your salvation is secure. He said, then he goes on not only to narrow it down by definition, but rather to finalize it for in Galatians 3, he identifies the seed, singular, with Jesus and counted the seed, the children, the seed, the seed children as children of promise, the promise as having to do with the election or the choosing of God. And that is exactly what we have been saying. These who are the royal seed are the elect of God. They are the predestinated, foreknown of God, and were in the mind of God and in his thoughts. That's who you are. You were foreknown of God because you were the seed of God. Because you were the seed of God, God knew who you were and God went looking for you. God was always looking for himself. Only, only the elect of God can be redeemed. And you're redeemed. What does redeem mean? Being brought back. Being brought back into your rightful position with God. In very plain language, the true bride of Christ... In very plain language, the true bride of Christ was in the mind of God eternally, though not expressed until each came forth in their designated decreed season. As each member, not, as each member came forth, it became expressed and took its place in the body. Thus the bride is the literal spoken word seed bride. It is very apparent that she ought to be called that, for she was predestinated in him, came from the same source, was eternal with him, and is now manifesting God in a many-membered body, whereas once God was manifested in one member, even in our Lord Jesus Christ. So we have to begin to understand where do we come from? What were we always a part of? You always were a part of God. That is hard to comprehend. But it isn't me that, I mean, this is what the Word says. This is what Brother Brown, God is, through the prophet, is trying to tell us. I am a seed of God. I always was a seed of God. I always was a child of God. But now I have to step into the position of being, of being that son. And when I step into the position of being son, then all the rights and privilege of being a son, all of a sudden it, 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 it comes with it. But then I have to be trained. I have to be trained. How do I use the power? How do I use the authority? I cannot use it if I, don't have, if I don't have the character. So God has to develop in me the character of Jesus Christ. And the more of the character of Jesus Christ all of a sudden becomes my character, then all of a sudden more and more he can take and he can take the power that is rightfully mine by virtue of who I am. And he can take that power and he can let me exercise it. Amen. This is what he had to do in Brother Bradham's life. This is what he had to do in Brother Bradham's life and ministry. He had, God had to train him. God had to teach him. In fact, there was one incident where he was sitting there before he had the, the spoken word. All of a sudden, a couple of kids came in, and they were sitting on the front row, and they started making love in front of everybody. And Brother Bradham says, don't do that. He cautioned him two or three times, and all of a sudden, God spoke to him and said, whatever you say, that's what's going to happen. And there's a pause. Brother Bradham says, I forgive you for that. 
Because he could have smitten them blind. He could have smitten them dead. In fact, brother, God had, the angel had told him previously, he, he said, there's a trap that Satan has laid out for you, but wouldn't tell him what it was. Well, that was the trap. And God was trying to, God, God knew how Brother Branham was going to act, okay? But he had to prove to Brother Branham that you have the character of Jesus Christ in you, and therefore you will not act, act in ways which are not according to God's purpose and will. So God has to develop in us the character. He cannot trust us with a he cannot trust us with a power until all of, you know in, until we have the character. You don't take a three year old and give him your forty four magnum and say, "Here, son, go have some fun." I mean, you know, no, you have to train him. Okay. Well, God can't do can't can't give us the, all the power that's rightfully ours until we have been adequately trained until we actually know how to know what to do with the power that is rightfully ours. He said, he said, now then we're coming to a conclusion. As the eternal Logos, God, was manifested in the Son, and in Jesus dwelt all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and that eternal one was the Father manifested in flesh and thereby gained the title of Son. So he's talking about Jesus Christ. He was, he, he was a part of God. He was the fullness of the God and all that stuff. Then he goes on, even so we. So he's taking what Jesus Christ was, and now he's relating that to us. Even so we, eternal in his thoughts, just as Christ was, in our turn became the many-membered spoken word seed, manifested in flesh. And those eternal thoughts now manifest in the flesh are the sons of God, even as we are so called. We did not become seed by the rebirth. We were seed and therefore were reborn. For only the elect can be reborn, because we were seed is the reason we could be quickened. In non-seed, there's nothing to quicken. Why do you believe the message? Because God's seed was there. God took that seed and he quickened it. He brought it to life. And over the, over the course of your life, he's been taking you and molding you and making you. But he's bringing us to this time now when the seed that was put in us has to come to full manifestation, has to come to full maturity. This is the bride age. This is where Jesus Christ is going to come and so live in the bride until we literally we become the manifestation of God himself. Amen. And we think, well, how will I act? Well, look at the prophet. How did he act? He was still Brother Branham. He still liked to hunt. He still liked to fish. He still liked to joke. He still liked to have fun. He still liked to do, okay. But then when God needed him, he was there. Well, we are, we are what we are. I mean, my personality enters into everything I preach, okay? And I can't help it. That's just who I am. Okay, but I have a, some, at least in India, they say I have a way of making something so simple they can, everybody can understand it. Well, I hope that's true. But, but we have to come down to the place. We are still us. But when God wants to use us, if we can yield ourselves to him in spite of our humanity, then God can begin to work through us and God can, can begin to manifest himself to us. Why would I speak that to that girl? I says, don't look at the stupidity of the act, but look at her, look at her, give her her life back. That was God speaking through me to her. God gave her her life because I was the spoken word to her. And I was in a miserable mess. I mean, my men cut me everything. No, I was not the one you wanted to have pray for me at that time. I mean, I was mad, I was upset, I was frustrated, okay? All of my flesh was there. But God looked past all of that, and he managed, in spite of all of that, he managed to go ahead and, 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 and take me, and, and actually even in that state, he, I, I, he was able actually to speak through me and give life to that child. Amen. So it doesn't matter your mental state. You don't have to be super spiritual. 
You don't have to be living with the angels and flying around in heaven. No, you, you, you just you. But if you can take you and give it to God and let God use you, he will do things through you that you could not even begin to imagine. He said, now then, we're coming to a conclusion. As the eternal Logos, God was manifest in the Son, and, and, and in Jesus dwelt all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and that eternal one was the Father manifested in the flesh, and thereby gained, I guess I read that. Yeah. So hold this carefully in mind, he says. Now take the next step. Redeem means to buy back. It restores to the original owner, God, by his death, he, the shed blood, he brought back his own. He brought back the first spoken word, seed, bride. My sheep hear my voice, and they follow me. You always were sheep. You never were a pig or a dog turned into a sheep. That's impossible, for every kind of life produces the same kind, and there is no change in species. As we were in the thoughts of God and then, ex and then expressed in flesh, there had to come a time, a day, when we would hear his voice, the word, and hearing that voice become aware of our Father calling us and recognize that we are sons of God. Right. So we've heard it through the prophet. But now it has to become a reality. Amen. And that's where, the, that's where the problem comes. I'm told that when you take, when you take an engineer and he goes to, a, to, a new, to a, a new business, sometimes they will give them a project which um, nobody else has been able to solve because they weren't told it can't be solved. So they'll work on it and they'll work on it and they'll come up with an answer when all the other people couldn't. Why? Because you, were, you, you, you weren't told that it can't be, to be solved. You weren't told that it was impossible. Well, God will take us and we might think, well, this is impossible. Well, when you're relying upon yourself, yeah, it is. But if you look to God and begin to realize you have the answer and then God directs. I know this one brother, he works in, uh, he does metal fabricating. And all of a sudden there was a problem came in. The guy wanted something fabricated and he thought and he thought and he thought and Finally, he just kind of gave up and went to, you know, went home, went to bed. And then at night, all of a sudden, Weenie wakes up in the morning. That's how to do it. Then he goes back to the shop, and all of a sudden, they, they tell him, yeah, why didn't we think of that? That's so simple. But here again, he had to get away from himself. And he had to simmer himself down so God could speak. And often that's the way it is in our lives. We have to let God in. We have to let his thoughts become our thoughts. We have, we have to let him guide and direct and so that we can do the things that, that he wants done. Amen. And the God who is rich in mercy says, I'm only saying this not to mix up doctrine, but to straighten it out, that we might get away from the sphere and the scare. You don't know who you are. You are not going to be, but now you are the sons of God. So you always were sons of God. When God had you in his thinking at the beginning, you have to be some part of you. Your life that's in you now had to be with God in the beginning. In one place, we, we, we talk about faith. And Brother Branham uses his example, and I've used it a few times overseas. Brother Branham talks about we have to come up to having supreme faith. And we talk about faith as one thing, supreme. Oh, my, how are we going to have supreme faith? <clears throat> and Brother Branham says, uh, well, I'll paraphrase. He says, you have a car. You go out, take the key, stick it in the ignition, turn it. You expect it to start. 
Because it always starts. There's no question. Well, it's going to start because it always starts. You walk into a room and it's dark. You feel around, flip on the light switch. You expect light. It always comes. There's no question. There's no frustrating. You don't call up your pastor. I'm going to turn on my lights. I'm going to turn on my lights. Pray, 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 pray. No, you just go and flip the light switch and then you go on with your business. Now, that's the way it has to be with us and God, where there's no question. Well, God, your word said so. So it has to be. Okay, we accept it. We prayed. We accept it. Okay, God. Now, it's your, you, you are obligated to your word. Brother Brown says that. You're not obligated to me. You're obligated to your word. So if I take your word and I, and, I, and, I, and I sit there and I remind you of your word and I claim that promise that you've given in your word, then now you're under, under obligation to fulfill your word in my life. And then we place it on him. Sure, he can do whatever he wants. He may not do it the right then, but he will. Because he said he would. I mean, there's no question here. But see, this is where we have, this is where Brother Bradham raised in his life. He had a vision. That was the end of the argument. He knew it was going to happen because God gave him the vision and he always knew the visions never failed. Then when he got to the place where of discernment, he could look in the pack in their life. He could look in the, God would show them the future. He could see them doing the things that they normally would do as a child or whatever the situation is. And he knew God had healed him. And others, he says, now according to your faith. And you know, it's, it's interesting with, with healing some people had followed, had followed Jesus Christ to where he was staying. I think they were lepers. It could have been blind. I forget which one it was. And finally, they, Brother Rat, or Jesus Christ turned to me and says, do you believe I can do this? Well, yeah, we believe you can do that. He said, then according to your faith, that's what you can receive. And they went, they went away. And all of a sudden, according to their faith, they were healed. And you know, that is the only stipulation. There's no other stipulation. It isn't how often you go to church. Do you pay your tithes? Do you do this and this and this and this and this and this, this? No. Do you believe it? If you can believe it, I will do it. It's that simple. We make it difficult. We make it complicated. It's not. It's the simplicity of the gospel. It's the simplicity of taking God at his word and believing whatever God has said. That is what God will do. Because he's God. He cannot lie. That's one thing he cannot do. He cannot lie. Amen. And once he's, in, once he's made up a promise, then he's obligated to that promise. He's obligated to do what his word says he would do. And that's where we have to come in our relationship. Yeah. Amen. I, I personally, I know that I'm a son of God. God's revealed that to me. Amen. I don't doubt that. I don't question that. Because God revealed that to me. Amen. I know I am the righteousness of God himself. Because the word says I am. Okay. Do I have faults and failures? You betcha. But am I the righteousness of God? I sure am. In the eyes of God, that's how I stand. There's no question on that. Because that's what the word declares that I am. I know that I am as sinless before God. Why? Because I am in Christ. Christ doesn't, God doesn't see me. He sees the sacrifice. Because he looks at the sacrifice, he has to declare me righteous. He has to declare me sinless because the sacrifice was the propitiation for my sins. And therefore, I before God, I am sinless. Before God, I am righteous. Because he says that I am. And it's merely taking him at his word and, and, and believing it. Now, 
if you believe that, you will live like it. Okay? You can't say, you know, I'm the righteousness of God, and you go out there, the beer joints and all the other kind of stuff, and sin and live in... No, 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 no. If there's no conversion, if there's no change in life, there is no conversion. But once you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, and once you realize the magnitude of the love that he expressed to you at Calvary, then you will respond in love. Amen. You know, it's interesting when somebody asked, asked um, they asked Jesus Christ, what is the greatest of all the commandments? Jesus says, well, that's simple. You love God with your whole heart, soul, mind, body, and spirit. And the same is like unto the same. You'll love your neighbor as yourself. And these two commandments rest all the laws and the prophets. And this message, what is the message? Love God with everything that's within you. Fall in love, so in love with him and, and hit him until you're willing to do everything that he says and everything he guides and everything he directs. Because if you love him and you love your neighbor as yourself, he says you've already fulfilled all the laws and the commandments. And from that point on, then God can begin to lead you and he can begin to guide you and he can begin to, 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 to uh, direct, direct your lives. The people, the people that, were, that came out of Egypt, God performed miracles. God showed his mighty hand. He brought plagues upon Egypt so that they could see, this is who I am. I am God, and there's nothing can stand before me. He went, they came into Mount Sinai, mighty manifestation of God, thunders and lightnings and earthquakes. And voice of God sounded like a trumpet and everybody ran because they were scared. And God, why did God do that? God did that so that they would fear him and out of fear they would, re they would, they, they would keep his law. Fear is a very poor motivator. Why don't we go 80 miles an hour down the freeway? Because these are guys with blue lights and they don't like you going 80 miles an hour down the freeway. So they will stop you and they will give you a little citation and it will cost you a few things. Okay. But if, 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 when God shows his love to you and then God himself comes and lives inside of you, he changes your nature. We are not under law. We are under grace. Grace does not give us a license to sin. Grace gives us the freedom to worship. Because under grace, we can open up our hearts to God. We can sit there and enter into his presence because we know that we are the very righteousness of God himself because we are in Jesus Christ. And because we love him, we automatically will do the things that he's wanting for us to do. And, he, and under, the, under the new covenant, he says, I'm going to take my law and put it in their hearts and in their minds. Basically, we will take on the very nature of God himself. We will, we will obey it because it's our nature to do so. We will, be, we will obey God because of the love that we have for him. Amen. And so love is a, is a greater motivator than anything else we could have. Right, why, do, why does the husband love their wives? Why are they stay truthful to their, to their wives and, and vice versa? Because it's the love bond between you that keeps you the way that you are. Right. Well, it's our love relationship with Jesus Christ. He says, if you love me, you'll do the things that I ask you to do. Not out of a demand, not out of if you don't do this, I'm going to, you know. Because, but here again, if, if, we, if we can fall in love with Jesus Christ, where he literally becomes the focus of our lives, where we love him more than we love life itself, and we, we, would, want, we would not want to do anything that he would find offensive, then all of a sudden we will live a life of holiness, we will live a life of purity, 
We will do the things which we, which we are expected to do as Christians, not because of law, but out of love. God bless you. kind of things let's 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 go ahead and reap the benefits as we worship if you have a need um feel free to come forward and our brother will, will pray for you um let's let's sing a song this
Our brother was talking about rest. If we can just rest what our, our God has already done and allow ourselves to be led by him. We've heard, we've heard uh, quite a message today. Well, um, we'll, just, we'll just go to the Lord in prayer and we'll be dismissed. Y'all remember the, um, the youth meeting this weekend, um, Saturday, 3 o'clock, um, Brother Andrew Glover. And uh, Monica, you got the, the food and everything like that's been announced. So I'll see Monica about that. Um, well, let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Lord God, we're so grateful for the word that you've given unto us today. We just ask, Lord, your blessing upon the people as they go their different ways. Watch over them and keep them, Lord Jesus. I pray, God, that you'll bless our precious brother and his wife as they journey home this afternoon, Lord, and you shall just be with him and replenish his strength and help him, Lord God, and get, continue to guide him in his ministry, Lord, and in his walk with you, Lord Jesus. Be with your people now, we pray, as we're dismissed in your name. Amen. Sing it to him as, you, as we leave. Upon life's boundless ocean, the mighty billow.